Welcome to the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. Barley Snyder is a full-service business law firm with over 100 attorneys practicing out of offices located in central Pennsylvania and Maryland. My name is David Friedman, and I am the host of the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. I am a partner with Barley Snyder's Employment Law Group, focusing my practice on labor and employment litigation, higher education law, and business immigration. Before we get started, please, listeners, understand that the information provided during episodes of Barley Snyder's COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast Extravaganza is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for legal counsel. If you have questions about your legal situation or about how to apply information discussed in this episode to your situation, you should consult an attorney for assistance. Joining us for our episode today is Sarah Yerger. Sarah works out of our firm's Harrisburg office and is a member of our firm's employment law and alternative dispute resolution practice groups. Sarah has over 25 years experience as a labor and employment attorney representing employers in state and federal courts. I have been a huge fan of her work for years before she joined Barley Snyder in 2019. We're thrilled to have her on our team and pleased to have her as our guest on today's episode. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for your warm welcome. Great. So, Sarah, we heard last week that Governor Wolf has released 24 Pennsylvania counties from the very strict almost complete business shutdown and stay-at-home orders that have been in place across the Commonwealth for over six weeks now. Of course, none of the counties where we operate our offices have moved from red to yellow on the governor's chart. But as counties where our listeners operate start getting permission to restart their operations, are you expecting a full return to operations the way they were going before the COVID-19 shutdown? Uh, David, I really wish that were the case. We keep hearing about the new normal, and I believe it'll be a long time before we're back to pre-COVID-19 operations. Just to give a little background on the governor's phase reopening structure, it's red, yellow, and green. Red designates the current situation with a statewide stay-at-home order and only life-sustaining businesses allowed to be open. Yellow means that the stay-at-home order is lifted and counties whose COVID-19 cases fall under a certain level can begin to let businesses in with in-person operations reopen. As you mentioned, the governor announced on Friday that 24 counties will move to yellow. Not us, unfortunately. Uh, Green means that nearly all restrictions are lifted, but businesses and individuals should still follow safety guidelines from the CDC. But even at yellow, schools will remain closed, restaurants will be limited to takeout, and businesses, if able, should prioritize telework. And and just to be clear, there are no counties in Pennsylvania currently that are in that green area, right? No, there aren't. 
I didn't think so, unfortunately. So look, you know, with some employers in areas that are moving to yellow or soon will be moving to yellow, what sort of steps should employers be undertaking right now to start preparing to reopen, at least somewhat reopen, uh, once they are authorized to do so when their area moves from green to yellow? Well, before employees start returning to work on site, it's important for employers to have a plan in place that addresses a wide range of topics and that is tailored to their workforce and their workspace. It's also important to develop a return to work plan to communicate your expectations to employees and customers, such as if and how the organization will conduct temperature checks or COVID-19 testing, um, whether it's done directly or through a third party how employers will clean workspaces, what PPE will be available to employees, and of course, the dreaded social distancing in the workplace. So there needs to be a plan in place for all of these things, which emphasizes the importance of, of taking care of employees, their safety and their health. We're also recommending to identify a point person in your organization who employees can come to with questions and who employees should call if they have symptoms and or test positive for COVID-19. Businesses should also consider requiring employees to sign and acknowledge the organization's policies on preventing the spread of the coronavirus. For example, abiding by any safe, required safety measures and not reporting to work if they're feeling ill. And I would use the Secretary of Health's April 15th order regarding health safety measures as the basis or the minimum um, for workplace safety measures to follow. So employers need to get out in front of this and start working on an exposure response plan now, it sounds like. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. Now, let's say we're in a situation where an employer is ready to go. They've gotten the, not the green light, but at least the yellow light to start some operations in their physical location. And let's say there's some employees out there not so crazy about going to work in the COVID-19 environment. What are an employer's option if an employee objects to returning to work once a stay-at-home order is lifted? Right. Um, I think, first of all, employers should be prepared to respond to employees who refuse or are hesitant to return to the physical workspace. If an employee has an underlying medical condition that makes him or her more susceptible to becoming ill or who claims mental health issues resulting from a return to work, employers should engage in the ADA interactive process to determine if they must accommodate a longer period of teleworking if they have been teleworking. Employers should also plan how to handle an employee who does not have any underlying disability but is just plain fearful of becoming ill by working in the office. Again, can that employee telecommute? If not, it's important to understand what underlies the fear. If the employee is in a population particularly susceptible to COVID-19 and they are directed by a healthcare provider or government official to quarantine or self-isolate and the company has fewer than 500 employees, then the employee may be eligible for paid sick leave under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act or the employer's PTO, or medical leave of absence under the employer's policy. And finally, they could also receive unemployment. If, on the other hand, the employee has a generalized fear of infection and you have work available for them, from a legal perspective, 
you can require the employee to return to work. And if they refuse, we're recommending that you place them on an unpaid administrative leave. From an employee relations standpoint and an employee investment standpoint, companies should consider the fallout if they move to terminate employees who refuse to return to work. And that's why we're recommending the unpaid status. Yeah, it sounds like there's no magic bullet out there for employers um, when they have that kind of situation come up. But I did want to go back for a second and talk about something, clarify something for some of our listeners. You said the ADA interactive process. That, of course, refers to the Americans with Disabilities interactive process, right? Yes, it does. How different is that process going to look like in the COVID-19 environment as compared to maybe how employers would have done that before the COVID-19 shutdown? It's essentially not going to look any different. The ADA interactive process is one in which you discuss with the employee what the problem is, um, what the medical condition is, and try to come up with alternatives so that you can keep that employee working. All right. You had also mentioned something before about temperature checks, and that seems to be something we're hearing a lot of media reports about. And I I just want to know, can employers require employees returning to work undergo mandatory temperature checks? Yes. In March, um, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, confirmed that the COVID-19 pandemic meets the direct threat standard for employee medical examinations and disability-related inquiries. Employers do not violate the ADA by requiring employees to undergo medical examinations, such as temperature checks, or also asking employees disability-related questions, such as whether the employees suffer from underlying health conditions that may make COVID-19 more severe for them. As with all medical information, the fact that an employee has a fever or an underlying health condition is subject to the ADA's confidentiality requirements. I need to express uh, how important it is for employers who are instituting temperature checks to do it in the least invasive manner possible. So what happens if an employee tests positive for COVID-19 Uh, and has been back at work for some time. What uh, special responsibilities does an employer have in that circumstance? Certainly. So in Pennsylvania, temperature checks are required by the Secretary of Health order um, that I mentioned before if there's been exposure in the workplace. The Secretary of Health order requires protocols in place. It requires to clean and disinfect the workplace, close off areas for at least 24 hours, identify close contact from 48 hours before symptoms, and of course, follow CDC guidance. Asymptomatic people can continue to work, but if they exhibit symptoms, then they need to be sent home immediately. And if there's a confirmed case, then everyone should have temperature screening, all employees. All right, but what about uh, the people who have come in contact with an employee who tests positive? Uh, What kind of information are those employees entitled to? And are there any restrictions on employers on what kind of information they can provide about employees who've tested positive? Right. It's very important um, to let the people who have been in contact with someone with COVID-19 to give them um, information that there has been someone that's tested positive. And it's also very important that the name of the COVID-19 patient be kept confidential. So 
ADA does kick in in that respect. Um, and it's just like um, any kind of medical information or medical record, it should remain confidential. And a difficult thing to do, I think, in some employment situations, but very important for employers to, to maintain confidentiality. Okay. Now, we all know that there's been some directions from the federal government and the state government regarding the wearing of masks. And we know a lot of people are really not happy about having to wear masks. What are the rules here in Pennsylvania regarding the wearing of masks when employees return to work? Under the Pennsylvania order, employees and customers must wear face masks whenever on the premises of a business, period. Are there any kind of carve-outs, like if, if employees are, are eating meals or anything like that? Yeah, if, if they're eating meals, um, then they, should, they won't be able to wear a face mask, and they should be practicing other things like social distancing, limiting the number of people, trying to stay in, in their own workspace. Um, hopefully, the employer has established some you know, screens or walls for people in situations where they're close together, closer than six feet. So there are um, some carve-outs. Also, if it may be that the employee is objecting to wear a mask because of a health situation, our recommendation is that employers communicate to the employee about the Pennsylvania mandate about the company policy and evaluate whether there are, is a valid medical issue surrounding the refusal like asthma, claustrophobia, um, and, and be flexible if possible and seek alternatives to the face mask like a face shield. That's really valuable advice uh, and helpful to know because I'm sure employers are going to be facing a lot of employees who are not going to be too happy about having to wear a mask when they come back to work. Now, you know, I want to transition, if we can, to another topic that I've been reading a lot about in the press, and that is we're hearing tons and tons about pretty active union organizing that is going on during this COVID-19 crisis. What are employees' rights to lodge complaints about their working conditions? I think our listeners might, might be beneficial for them to hear that. I agree. But let me break that question down into two parts. Please do. So first, all employers, unionized or not, must comply with the National Labor Relations Act, which provides all non-supervisory employees with Section 7 rights. Section 7 gives employees the right to engage in protected concerted activities, which under the current circumstances could include raising concerns about employee safety due to COVID-19 or an employer's lack of protective equipment when interacting with potentially infected consumers. Federal law here protects employees for raising issues of mutual interest and concern, and employers may not discriminate or retaliate against employees for raising such concerns. The second part of the question is about union organizing. This pandemic is creating a set of circumstances that present a big opportunity for organized labor, and a serious challenge for non-union employers. Job security and safety are traditional issues that unions use to appeal to unorganized employees. And these issues are looming large right now. Many employees are being asked to continue working under conditions that they may perceive as unsafe. 
Others are being laid off or furloughed without pay in numbers not seen since the Great Depression, and they're relying more and more on unemployment benefits. All of this is potential fodder for union organizing, and many observers are predicting a wave of strikes and a large spike in union organizing, both during and particularly after the crisis, especially among employees working in essential businesses. Despite the weakness of organized labor in the past several decades, unions do not appear to be letting this opportunity pass. And there are many new groups like Fight for 15 that are trying to capitalize on the current situation. You're right, the news has been filled with reports of an increase in labor actions. Amazon, Instacart, Target, and Whole Foods employees just initiated the May Day strike a few days ago, demanding hazard pay and protective equipment. Sanitation workers in Pittsburgh and construction workers in Massachusetts staged strikes over safety issues. And this may be only the beginning. The potential for labor disputes will grow as businesses that have closed begin to reopen and contend with demands for protective equipment like masks and gloves and pay, hazard pay and additional sick time and of course a variety of real and perceived safety concerns. Some laid off or furloughed workers have lost their employer-sponsored and partially subsidized health insurance. These are all issues around which unions historically have organized. And thus, every decision made by an employer in response to this pandemic could be used by union either now or in the future as part of an organizing campaign. If this is a concern for our listeners, they should reach out to us or an attorney for help avoiding union organization. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a time when people are going to need to consult with legal counsel on how to strike that delicate balance between honoring employees' rights to engage in collective activity under labor laws like the National Labor Relations Act with, you know, their desire to maintain a uh, union-free environment and engage more proactively and more collaboratively in employee relations matters. So, Sarah, thank you so much for speaking with us today, for, for giving us some guidance on those issues and for sort of projecting out into the future for employers that are going to be opening up soon about the various issues that they're going to have to face. Thanks again for your help on that. It really was my pleasure. Glad to hear that. So that's all the time we have for now. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into this episode. Please tune in again next time when we'll be speaking with Don Geider, the chair of Barley Snyder Cybersecurity Industry Group. Don is going to give us the lowdown on some cybersecurity measures that employers operating virtually should be implementing. And he's also going to talk to us about some of the more interesting COVID-19 cyber threats and scams. You won't want to miss it. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this or any other episode or would like to hear about a particular topic in a future episode, please email us at COVID19podcast at barley.com. That's C-O-V-I-D-1-9 P-O-D-C-A-S-T at B-A-R-L-E-Y dot C-O-M. As we conclude this episode, listeners, I'll note that there is a lot of pretty angry chatter going out there on social media regarding the COVID-19 shutdown. Some people say we should open up. Others think we need to remain closed. Obviously, this is uncharted territory, and there are very serious competing concerns that need to be balanced. So even though we might disagree with our neighbors about specifics, 
I think we could all benefit by heeding the words of Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan of Wild Stallions fame. Many years ago, they counseled us to be excellent to one another and to party on, dude, observing appropriate social distancing as we do, of course. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.